It's time for the Recruitment Marketing Rebelcast. This is the show for all you recruitment marketing rebels out there who are done with posting, prey, and recruitment funnels. Are you ready to bring real change to talent acquisition? Come for the voice of the candidate and stay for the snark. It's time for real talk from the front lines of the talent revolution with your hosts, Alin Bailey and Tracy Parsons. Well, hello, Tracy. Here we go again. How are you? I am uh, I am battling what I'm calling mononucleosis. I'm just freakishly tired all the time. I think it's like that nesting moment of fall, winter kind of thing. But other than that, um, other than slightly lower energy levels, I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm fine. When you say that, I immediately start to think, is there a time when you don't feel like that? Because if that's like a natural, like not a natural state, then I'm doing something wrong because I'm just constantly in that. Just I'm tired. So it's not my, it's, I understand that. Like I, I I understand that, but typically spring, summer, um, and time of day, right? So three o'clock it's, it's known as the, you know, dead spot for my day. Three o'clock is like, Oh, I just want to go get cozy with a blankie and a nap. Yeah, I know. My my dead spots so moving up earlier and earlier in the day. So I have. Oh. So well, it's it's okay. I just I have to re, after I come back from sabbatical, I need to kind of refigure out my flow again. So yeah. I, I usually start because I have um I work with the people all over the world. Uh, that's my excuse for this, but also Absolutely. because it just it helps me manage my life better. I work really really early in the morning, and so I'm up. I'm up. I'm going. 4 a.m. here on the Pacific um, um, Pacific Northwest, I'm up and working, right? See, 4 a.m. is not early in the morning, Alin. That's late at night. Let's just be honest. That's what some people say. So I'm just (laughs) the middle of the night. So so it's kind of like I work my own weird shift. So I'm like up and going at four. um, And then I would say like, it's like almost noon here now. And I am, I'm hitting my, this is my like, I'm almost done. Yeah. If I hit three o'clock and I'm still actually participating in conversations people should worry about (laughs) i'm loopy as can be and the challenge is is more and more i work with people who are local um which is happening more now they're just like that like noon to four they're like all in there and they've all kind of had their coffee and they're ready to go and i'm like i'm exhausted i'm done You're, you're cashed yeah that's right i have nothing of value to add to this conversation so they all think it's funny because now they think I'm all just, you know, really snappy and snarky and they think it's like my personality, which oh. I get, I am a little bit, but I think it's mainly because I'm just tired. <laughs> well, and I try to, I try to structure my day so that my most um, creative work. So like anytime I'm doing writing um, or any kind of big thinking or designing or anything like that, it has to be done before noon. Yep. Um, and because I cannot, there's nothing, if you try to give me an assignment to write at like two o'clock in the afternoon, you will get things like four sentences and then the sentence of what I just wrote there is complete bullshit. <laughs> it's so funny you said that. I'm literally having that issue right now. I'm trying to write a summary to the team oh God. to get them set up for the week. And I'm like, I can't, it, it's, it, there's no like, there's no nice rah-rah in this at all. It's down to a couple bullet points. Like we met, we talked, I told you what to do. Don't ask any questions. Shut up. Shut up. 
I'm going to be gone next week. Talk to you later. So my advice, my advice to you is to just put that in your little save drafts folder and yeah. start it again at 4 a.m. <laughs> not worry about it right now. Just not, not. Just delete. Not, are you telling me that's not inspiring messaging? I really, I'm just, you know, as your friend, I'm telling you that you might want to walk away from that one right now. Walk away. And tackle it, you know, when you're more creative and you're, and you're in a better flow state. Okay, you're probably right. That's what I'll do. That's not who you are, girl. That's not who I am. That's not who you are. Well, it depends. But no. Okay. So we have an awesome topic today. We do. Um, we do. And once again, I'm going to have you start us off because you're the one who's starting this argument. Let me just put it there. <laughs> I'm start starting with. it. You're starting this crap. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You wrote and a so, whole blog. Well, um, I did. Yes. Yeah. So, tell, so tell the world about your blog. Okay. So... I, and we also have another rule in this house. Don't start none, won't be none. And I'm starting some. So I'm just going <laughs> to let you know that there's going to be some. Okay. And, okay. So for the last, you know, five or six years, all we see from our HR tech marketers is candidates are consumers. Candidates are consumers. If you really want to get in their heads, they're consumers now. I've espoused this. I've talked about it. I've written about it. And over the course of the last six to eight months, I'm starting to believe that this is actually a big pile of steaming bullshit. And so I wrote about five, 600 words about it this week. It was a mini rant and I got into my love of Doritos, right? Yeah. And if I wanted to try a different flavor of Doritos, which every now and then I'm in a bit of a cool ranch mood, but I'm going to go for the nacho cheese because I know what that is. And my point was, is that switching a flavor of chips is not as easy or as much easier than switching jobs. It's a more thoughtful choice. It's a more thoughtful decision. And it's something that we as marketers have to be thinking about. And so I just wanted to call out and maybe start some shit around the whole idea is I don't really think that they are consumers. I think we might be wrong about this whole notion. I think there are elements of consumption. And also I hate the word consumer. It makes us all sound like giant vacuum cleaners of whatever good we're trying to consume. But we are, um, but, but okay. we're not, we're customers. We're patrons. <sighs> we're, I, I even won't use the word user. Um, I don't like user either. And, but I Why, don't all think the best that, drug addicts are users. Thank you. My point. Exactly. I would not like to talk <laughs> about my software people <laughs> that use my software. People that use software are not necessarily use anyway. Tangent. Yeah, but they're a committed audience. They're they're addicted. They're right in there. I do not. Again, this goes back to our sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So, I, I, so, so my point is that I think that this is entirely possible. That it is a load of marketing bullshit, and I wanted to shine a light on it. Okay. So, I'm calling bullshit on your bullshit. Go. Tell okay. me why I'm wrong. Okay. As, as I mentioned, I'm okay with being wrong. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna start this off with the nice phrase. It says, I don't think you're completely wrong, right? That that the decision to change jobs or to look at a different employment opportunity, these are very big decisions, yes. right? But I think what you're doing is, is you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. 
That's entirely I, possible. I can be I can be rather binary ones and zeros, right? <laughs> ones and zeros. Right? Keep going. Right. The the basic psychology associated with choosing to connect yourself to um, a, a place of work, a brand, um, an identity, to be able to feel as though you can fit into something is the same psychology associated with consumer decisions, right? The reason that you picked up the Doritos and you didn't talk about, well, maybe I want to have Ruffles to stay instead of Cool Ranch, right? Was that you weren't, you, you have, you have bought into this picture, right? They have used psychology and convinced you that Doritos is part of the brand you connect and relate to, right? It's part of your, the thinking that's happening um, at a very kind of visceral level. You don't, it doesn't, um, it's not something that you're actually going and making this conscious choice about. It's unconscious. That's oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm letting you know that my love of Doritos has nothing to do with the brand of Doritos. It has everything to do with the crunch and zest. So well, okay, no, whatever wait, that's, food that's science, exactly it. That's what they, okay. Do okay, you think go. the crunch, do you think the crunch and the zest uh-huh. is not part of their brand? I don't associate it with their brand. Of course you don't. That's a con, but unconsciously it is. What I'm telling you is, is that if you, you see yourself as somebody right? Yeah. I say see yourself as somebody who is, enjoys crunch and zest, right? <laughs> you like a little, you're a little zesty, right? This conversation is hilarious. Okay. <laughs> okay. You're not, right? I'm not saying I don't know you this well. I don't know, right? But my guess is that you don't necessarily identify yourself as somebody who is like fake vegetably, right? So kind of like those vegetable chip sorts of things, right? So if walking down the grocery store aisle and you go, mm, I'm hungry, and you see a bunch of chips sitting in front of you, some that you recognize and some that you don't, right? Your natural inclination is to go to what? The things that you know that you like, that you've liked yes. in the past and that you're yes. likely to like again. Yes, keep going. I like this. Okay. Right? Yeah. Right? Those those things that that what I'm telling you is I'm going to tell you the secret to this is that half of what you like has nothing to do with the flavor, the taste, the yummy goodness that you think is happening in your tummy. Right. All those things may be happening, but it also equally has to do with a series of unconscious triggers created by experiences that that brand has produced for you over time through their visual stimuli, right? So through their um, imagery, through their marketing, through their jingle, through whoever they had on their ad in 1992 that you saw and you forgot about, right? All of these things create a brand identity. And that brand identity isn't something that you consciously go up and look at that whole list of chips on the shelf and go, which brand do, which, which of these chips if I hold them, are people going to see me as who I want to be seen as because I'm holding these chips? You know, that's not how you think, right? What you think is, ooh, I like Doritos, so I'm going to get Doritos. What I'm telling you is the psychology in your back of your head that say, ooh, I like Doritos is based more on just the flavor and a lot on all those other 
untangible experiences that you don't even realize are happening that Doritos has done over time to build a picture for you about what it means to be a Dorito eater? Yeah, no, because I'm very ashamed of my Dorito eating. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> but okay, so I, I hear what you're saying. And when you told me when we when we were when we were exchanging messages earlier, um, you were like, I got a bone to pick with you about this one. And so I started thinking more deeply about my my assertion. And <laughs> you were preparing for the test? What? No, no, no. No, I was just, you know me. I like to okay, now where's she coming from? What's her angle? Right. So I, I want <laughs> I wanted to do a little pre-thinking. Um, and so I started thinking about, okay, this, again, this is a bigger choice than a bag of chips. So much sure. bigger choice than a bag of chips. So I was thinking as, as the farther you go up the purchase chain, right, the more time you spend considering choosing, researching, shopping. Right. So when you are going to go buy a car or a home, you're going to do a lot more research than, say, right. plucking plucking a snack off the shelf. Right. But that's okay. consumer behavior, just like plucking something off the shelf. Totally. Just, All of this is consumer behavior. Is, right. Right. But where but where I'm struggling with this entire assertion this entire marketing campaign and i 100% view this because you saw it you saw it like 5 years ago somebody started saying candidates were like consumers and uh, then 5 years now now everybody's saying it and then you go to hr tech and you see it on a sign and you're like you all need to come up with something more original right so this is not again so as you get further up the purchase chain of how large of a purchase you are going to make, you are going to have similar, right? You're going to have similar experiences. The big difference for me, and maybe this is why I get so ruffled by this, is that if I'm going to go buy a car, I get to go drive that car. I get to go test that car. I They'll let me take it home for a weekend. And in the house, I get to go see the house. I get to go walk through the house. And I get to like open cabinets and stuff. I get to go a little snooping. They'll go, I'll hire a third party to come in and test my water heater. I'll get all this homework done so that I get a real close sense, not a real sense, but a much closer sense of what it's going to be like to own that home or drive that car. Okay, well, and the, so, but so we the don't give that to Right, but Talent. that's not. But that's not a function of them not use not making decisions based on the same psychology of consumerism. What that means is, is that we're really crappy at understanding what people need to make those big decisions, and we are we are we are wallpapering over it all, right? Right. With the simple, easy stuff, which is like, um, you flyers know, flyers and banners, flyers and, blah, and blah, banners blah. and color choices, and that's not what it means. I think what you're identifying. And I get you, right? I, I think what you're identifying is a misuse and a misunderstanding. Thank you. When we say candidates are like consumers. When I say a candidate is like a consumer, what I'm saying is consumers, when we consume things, we are making a choice, right, that is both conscious and unconscious at the same time. And it is based on a series of experiences, both with the brand that I'm getting ready to experience 
my own perception of who I am as an individual and my experience with all the other like or similar types of things out there that create expectations for me. When we talk about candidates being consumers, what we should be talking about is that when we are creating an experience for candidates, we have to understand they have all these other experiences that they are bringing to the table and it's influencing how they're going to make their choice and decision. The one you just mentioned is a great example. If I'm going to make a big purchase decision, I touch it, I feel it, I drive it, I try it, I talk to my friends, I see what they think, I go over, you know, um, I don't even buy a vacuum cleaner without reading 50 million online views. I buy it, I turn it back <laughs> in, and I don't even use the vacuum cleaner, right? <laughs> but, I, I, so, but we don't allow, we, so the challenge is, is that we don't, if that's how they make big consumer decisions, we don't allow in our marketing or framework or process for choosing a job, those same opportunities. So, I so think we're what, always yeah. letting them down. And that's what I think is making me so belligerent about this specific topic. I think because we've created this catchphrase, and while the kernel of it may be true, I believe it has given us license to be lazy. True. And I am tired of us being lazy and then saying this stuff doesn't work. Okay. Well, so now I can I can 100% go with that one. I think that's a huge problem for us, right? We spend a huge amount of time. Um, you're right. We use catchphrases like candidates or consumers or um, make a candidate an advocate or like all of these other kind of big buzzy words, but we don't yeah. understand the science behind it. No. We don't understand what it takes to actually accomplish it. And so you, we do, we take the easy route. And then when it doesn't work, we say, well, this is stupid. It doesn't work. And and I'm not going to do it anymore. It requires, because, you know, if you're going to treat a candidate like a consumer, like really treat them like a consumer, it requires an investment in understanding their patterns of behavior, their decision-making criteria, their influence points, um, their like experiences with other industries and in other locations to be able to make and create the right sort of purchasing process for them. We're not willing to invest in that. No, and we're and we're also not willing to talk about the truth. Right? And, and we're all again, if I'm buying a house, I have an inspector. I have a third party person come in and kick the tires of this house. Right. Right? We don't there's there's no there's nothing like that. And and if there is, we're just gonna say, oh that's what Glassdoor is for. We take we're taking the simple lazy way out as opposed to giving people the real story. I was talking to um, one of our industry bigwigs, and he was telling me that basically employer brand was born because a company, a big company, wanted to obscure layoffs. And if we just, if we could develop some employer brands to make this whole layoff business go away, that would be good for us. You mean like and the perception that the layoffs were actually, ha like what a layoff, what, like what do you mean? They, they, if we had, if we had a best place to work moniker to drown out all of those. Oh, so it would uh -huh. cover it up. Like right. Icy. Right. And then, so all of this is like leading me down this interesting path, right? So if employer brand was born out of wanting to hide bad news and candidates are consumers, but it's not allowing us to develop consumer 
like experiences or customer experiences that are meaningful to them and give them a real sense of it. Because at the end of the day, we want to obscure the fact that work is hard. And we think that they're dumb enough not to know that. Like everybody that I know that goes to work knows that it's hard, right? They have to pay you to show up. It's not, it's not. (laughs) Right. I'm not going to go for free. Doritos isn't paying you to buy the bag of chips. I know they they should. Um, but I was just, I was just starting cause I was just at HR tech and one of the best sessions I saw was Marcus Buckingham and he had just published a, a book with Ashley um, Goodall about nine lies about work. And I was just getting ready to start this book last night when I opened the table of contents and Lynn, we're going to have another subject on this lie. Number one, are you ready? Yeah. People care which company they work for. It's absolutely true. I can't wait to read this. So he says it's a lie. It's a lie. He has research and data. I can't wait to read this. Well, me so, either. Maybe. Okay. Well, maybe. you got to put that. You got to put that in the show notes. So I will I definitely. Like... I will definitely put that in the show notes. I'll shoot it over to you. Um, but again, I think it goes back to. And when you were talking about how do we know what they do and know what they see and how do we create, you know, how they decide things, right? We do painfully little research as an industry on what candidates care about, uh-huh. what they're thinking, what they're talking about, and what they want. Oh, I there is so little information about that because we've designed all this stuff to be, you know, what we need. Well, oh my God, because, because, right, the yes. biggest flaw we have in the talent acquisition space is we keep thinking it's about what we need to tell them. Yes. About. That's even, by the way, it's, and, and it's to me proof and point that we do not understand marketing and consumer driven experience design because we assume, right? Guess what? Marketers who are deciding the next great advertising for Tide are not worried about telling you what they think you need to know about them. Correct. They're worried about understanding what is the influencer to make you buy that thing a tide. And it may have nothing to do with anything around them. They do not, nobody is sitting around that table saying, you know what, we better make sure um, that everybody understands that we perfectly crafted this non-slip <laughs> bottle handle so that we wouldn't get sued by the FCC, right? They. People, that's not how we do it. But when we design talent acquisition or we do brand marketing in the in the um, in the talent space, we sit around tables and think about how will we make sure they understand what fabulous benefits we have. If they if they understand that we have ping pong tables at every third site in the United States, oh my God, they're all going to come here. Yes. Why? Why do we think that's going (coughs) to resonate with people? Right. That's not that that goes to illustrate. My point of, I think this catchphrase is making us lazy. Okay. Well, okay. So, and, oh, you know what? I just had a thought. Can I say something? Go. That I think is, gonna, that, that I think is an example of our laziness. Tell me. It's my pet peeve. It's related to this. Oh, go. Okay. If I see one more person show me their fabulous persona work, <laughs> I'm going to lose my freaking mind. <laughs> right? Tell me more. <clears throat> 
Well, because what people are doing is, is so, so again, it's like a catchphrase, like they figure out, oh, in order to market to people and to build these consumer experiences, we need to create a set of personas. And so I'm going to sit in a room with all my other talent acquisition peeps and maybe Ah, a hiring manager, and I'm going to craft my picture of what I think a candidate is and what makes them tick. Uh Aha. They do. One, they have no idea what their audience breakdowns are. Yeah, have they, they talked to any of the people in this scenario? They don't know. Who oh, okay. I don't need to talk oh, to okay. them because oh, okay. I myself am a person who works here. And oh, so no. I know what okay. people who work here want to know. I see. Right? Because I made the, because they mistake, this is our biggest flaw, right? The biggest difference between us and the marketers over um, at whatever company Doritos is from. Right. Yeah. Is that we sit around the room and we see ourselves. We see the candidates we're going after as reflections of ourselves. Whereas the because we say we bought the same thing we're asking them to buy. So we know what it is to take you. Because they are us. Because we are them. Right. The guy who made Doritos. Right. He knows what went into those Doritos. He's not eating them. (laughs) Right. (laughs) He instead is sitting there going. What do I have to do to manipulate you and make you convince you that you want yes. to eat this triangle with some gold and yellow dust on it and mm. believe that it is yummy, good, right? What What do I have to So I have to go talk to you and I have to go and I have to do focus groups with you and yeah. I need to do ethnographic interviewing and I need to, right? We have all these tactics and techniques to know what actually people think and how they make their choices and decisions and to analyze it. But we don't want, don't think we have to do any of that on our side of the fence. We think, no, 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 we understand. You need personas. We're, we're going to, or better yet, I, I'm going to go a step further and not just use other people in the talent acquisition space or hiring managers. I'll talk to some new hires. That'll tell me. Right. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're useless. These are pieces of documents that are useless and do not actually help us reach the people that we're trying to reach. That's my point. Right, because there's no there's no external perception, right? So I, I think when uh, I think, you know, when you talk about brand, when you talk about marketing, there has to be an an element of external influence on the end product. And in <laughs> fact, it should be the bulk of the influence, right? So we my my company, Alin, we sell personas. I know on on our website. Okay. A very but, good one. I am endorsing. But, I am endorsing Tracy's persona. You, no, that's not the. It's, <laughs> that's not the purpose. But the but the reality is is that that was from conversations from external people, right? right? We actually studied the marketplace, and you're right. We do this all the time. We do this all the time. We assume because we work there, we know what's going to be attractive to somebody. But you don't. You've already been sold. Right. That's you need to talk about loyalty strategy if you're the like, why are you staying? Right. right. And yeah, how do you right get people point. to stay? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And particularly how many recruitment marketers out there are challenged with trying to build um, a pipeline for new audiences, complex audiences, audiences that are new to their business type or have not seen them as a company in the, the you know, of, of relevance in their sector. These are the same problems I hear people talk about all the time. I'm trying to address 
this new unique audience. Yeah. Yet, yet they're using the same old conversations, the same old tactics, because in essence, we're lazy. We took the we took the concept that was a good concept, right? So I'm going to tie it back together here, just like there you a go. candidate's consumer. Bring it we home, girl. A, we took a concept that was a great concept, but we didn't take the time to actually learn how to do it, what mm-hmm. its value was or how to utilize it. And we did it. We took the easy way out and we checked the box. And yeah. after we checked the box, we said, we did it. Aren't we all proud of ourselves? We can make it look all glossy and shiny and put some, you know, pictures up there on the wall that show what all of these things are and help people understand how to make great consumer decisions. But at the end of the day, it's not based on real people. Correct. Real people needs real people's experiences, real people's motivations. Well, and that's the other funny thing, because, you know, this year through a lot of the projects that I've been doing with customers, I've been interviewing people who either rejected an offer or um, came in second in a role, right? So I've been interviewing a lot of people that went through the entire experience up to offer and either rejected it or they were turned down. You know what's charming? And you've seen it probably in conjunction with these personas, <laughs> journey maps, right? Journey maps, oh, God, yeah. we've got a persona, it goes with a journey map, and look at these 19 stages of the journey, right? Do you know what the journey is to the candidate? I applied to a job, I interviewed, I either got hired or didn't. Right. They don't know all the steps that we're taking, right? And they shouldn't. But... We're not understanding at what point we're influencing them. Bingo. Bingo. And, and that, that I think, is the big, the big aha moment. The big reason why I'm so upset about this whole catchphrase is that we're not taking the time to take this notion to heart. And I also think it is a slightly lazy phrase. I, I just, there's something about it that does not, ring true. I, it may be true. It just feels cheap. And, and because I frankly don't want to think about my candidates and my people that I want to attract and retain to my company or my customers' companies as simplistically as that. And I think that that's where, I think that that's where it gets really upsetting because it's not as simple as buy or don't buy. It's not an e-commerce engine. And with the job, and I guess just like certain things, like, which is, it's a nice, maybe it's a nice parallel anyway, but it's not over. Like we often view the transaction over at application. Right. The right, transaction exactly. isn't over until they leave and never come back. <laughs> it's absolutely, it's absolutely right. Well, it's 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 a function of our transactional framework to begin with. It is a yes. we we do believe, right? We do believe that it is about these isolated choices, right? Mm-hmm. That are binary, right? Yes, no, um, and human beings are more complex than that. Yes. And because human beings are more complex than that, it is yes, no, maybe, not now, later, um, but I have a friend, right? And and if we are designing experiences only for the yes, no, we're focused on all the wrong things. You, you said something in your data. I, I think it was you. 
who in his in all these interviews that you did, right? Yeah. That talked about the fact that um, as much as we want to believe that the challenge is our application process, mm-hmm. right? For candidates, most candidates don't care that our application process sucks because they're no. expecting it to suck. Yes. This is to me, this is a, this is the essence of understanding experience design. We think we can fix it because it's the transaction of applying and it doesn't follow the basic rules of what people should be willing to do. If I look at it in this isolated transaction, but if I look at it in this bigger picture of this experience that you are creating for people, and I'm not saying, by the way, you shouldn't fix your application process, but I'm saying it's not your biggest problem, right? right? It's not, it is not the influence point for the candidate. For most, especially when we're talking about, um, you know, non-transactional sorts of jobs, it is not the influence point for your candidate. It may impact their overall impression of whether or not you guys have your act together, right? Yep. Or how bureaucratic you are. Or, or how you treat people. Or how you treat people. But it is not the point of time at which I choose to complete the application that I am being influenced about whether or not I want to work for you. And, and then we're spending all our time focused on that piece. And it's a symptom of our only wanting to address the things that we think we can see right in front of us. Deep control. Yeah. We don't take the time to understand what else is influencing them. Your concept of influence points is exactly spot on. I'm spending a huge amount of time right now um, trying to understand how can we start, instead of thinking about journey mapping, think about influence mapping. Okay. Where are the influence points and how can we identify based on human behavior, what triggers will tell us people are ready or at certain influence points, and then we can address them there. Yeah, and and I think the post that I wrote about the candidates or consumers also talked about friction, right? Yep. And and this, this, my point is to that, is that when we think about being a consumer, I, at the lower end, I want my transaction to be friction-free. And in the higher ends, right, when we're talking about houses and cars and jobs, um, there should be way more friction. And unfortunately, the way we've designed the current experience, and I've said this before, and I'll say it until it changes, we've got all the friction points in the wrong spots. Right. Because those are not the places where people are making their choices. Correct. We put, we, right. Right. There is a... Um, uh, James Ellis did a whole thing, a riff on this. Um, yeah. His blog, if you guys haven't heard it, it was actually a, a really good kind of uh, free-form thinking riff he did that talked about um, the impact uh, that we have created by trying to simplify the application process. Correct. We've actually created our own problem statement. So the yeah. simpler you make the application process, the more you drive people to just go directly to the apply without pre-consideration. And when they do that, you're creating more work for yourself on the other end to sort through all these applicants and manage them through your OFCC process. I mean, how, I mean, everybody needs to kind of wake up and, and take a second and say, wait a minute, what experience, how is that experience generating for me what result and what's the impact of that result? Where, where's the real opportunity here for me to influence people? Right, because then you're removing all friction. And that's not going to work out for all us in the end because not everybody gets a job. No, exactly. In fact, by the way, most people don't. Oh, yeah. What about so what about all those people who don't? Now, what have you done? You've set up false expectations through your process. And the worst thing you can do, honestly, is set up false expectations 
um, with people because it means there's a heck of a lot of work you then have to do to repair your reputation afterwards. Yes. Yeah. And, and it can, goes back to the whole idea of being transparent with who you are. It's actual work. Now, you don't have to come in out and say, like, I did see somebody write the most um, transparent, badly so <laughs> job description one time that was like, you will practically die at your desk. Like it was, it was unbelievable. So I was like, okay, that's too far. And if that's true, you should probably rethink your experience, you know, your entire company culture. <laughs> um, but that's just me. Right. Um, but I think that, I think that these conversations, and by the way, we can't even fight right. Um, <laughs> I know. This is as, this is as contentious as we get. We're, We're so I, mad. I think you're using the word wrong. You're doing, I don't like that. Um, so it just goes to show everybody out there in internet land <laughs> that you can completely disagree with somebody, then thoughtfully listen to what they're trying to say and understand. You may not completely agree with them, but you could do the listening thing and the understanding thing to get where they're coming from. Just a lesson in our very contentious point life, in time. Life, life lessons. Just a little lesson out there for everybody <laughs> to consider the ear holes as valuable as the mouth hole. Um, so, yeah. That was... No, I, I, I think this, but I think this is a hot topic. I think we, I think we hit on some very interesting components here that hoping uh, it, it set some earworms for people that they can kind of be thinking about. And maybe I would, I mean, I think that it's worth more dialogue and conversation around it, it, this idea. Right. I, I, and I think this is a, a good conversation. I know we're getting ready to bring um, Julia Levy on. Uh, uh, for one of our uh, kind of freeform cocktail hour chats around what it takes to build a recruitment marketing team. And I, I think one of the foundations of this concept is say, listen, if you are going to be a profession, right, um, around recruitment marketing, right, and say that marketing is the core of our essence, we not only have to understand the buzzwords, right, but you need to be spending time having these hard conversations that Tracy and I are trying to have and think through the science of it, right? It is um, it is not just the science of transacting um, an application or driving people through your ATS. There's a lot more to it and a lot more thinking through what are the friction points you are creating? Where are your influence decisions? How do people make decisions over time? How does, how does your persona reflect actual people and not surrogates in your organization? And then how do you use that information to make choices? These are big, meaty um, uh, things you need to be reflecting on and thinking about. And I'm so excited for that book that you mentioned, because um, now I'm stuck on this idea that, um, what was that line that you said? It is nine lies about work and lie uh -huh. number one. It's literally the first one, Alin. The first yeah. one is lie number one, people care which company they work for. And the reason I'm coming back to that is because as I'm thinking about these meaty questions we need to think about, you know, the first time you said it the first time and I went, eh, and now I'm in the back of my head, I've been pondering it and I'm thinking this is a good conversation because actually maybe they're right. Maybe, maybe even without the research, if I reflect on it, is it about the work or the place? Right. See, and if it's Ooh. about the work and not the place, again, 
we're completely guessing. I haven't read this. I haven't read this chapter yet. I'm reading it. <laughs> we're, we're making up the chapter form as we go. We are absolutely but, making this up because we're all we're all conjecture. Very yeah. little evidence today. <laughs> um, but I will say that if they care about the work and not necessarily the company, which I'm guessing maybe where they're going with this, um, wouldn't that be just something? Because then what is that going to do to our leadership who funds these programs? ego when they find out that nobody really cares about you <laughs> no no but what if what but why that's so yes but also Tracy, taking it back to this whole conversation we've been having if that is true right yep. if what we're reflecting on is what it actually says in there and the research says it is in there uh-huh. well this really goes back to this idea if candidates are consumers which you're saying yeah maybe not and i don't saying, know yes psychologically they are this challenges the question of what are they consuming? Right. Interesting. And for another day for us to and talk about. And for another about. day. Yeah, we could, ha- we could have a whole redux about we're going to fight some more in yep. the most polite way possible. Yep. So I'm going off. I'm, I'm going to, we're going to have to find time to record next week. Um, I'm going to be off next week at Unleash. I get to go to uh, Paris. Ooh la la. And have some croissants. Oh. And Ooh, get some pan au chocolat. That's my favorite thing in the world. Yes, yes, absolutely. And some coffee. And I am going to mm. sit and I'm going to feel intellectual. I may even wear a beret. I need to see a picture of you in a beret. Right, right. I mean, I will. It's going to happen. With a beret. And I'm going to kind of sit down and I'm going to think these big thoughts. And then we're going to come back and have some more talk about it. Yep. And I'm going to shoot you a text of the book. Uh, yes. Nine Lies About Work. That's and, next uh, week. You know what? That's next week's topic. I'm all We're over doing it. it. We're I'm doing it. it. Okay. okay. Thank you, Travel guys. Travel safe, my friend. Okay, you too. I will talk to you soon. Thanks, Internet. <laughs> okay. Um, well, there we go. There's episode number five. I can't believe we're already five episodes in. We hope you all are enjoying this as much as Tracy and I are enjoying getting together every week and talking about key topics in recruitment marketing and talent acquisition. Please reach out to us and tell us your thoughts or ideas, either for future topics or on the things that we've been discussing, like the difference between candidates and consumers. You can reach us on Twitter at rebelcast. You can reach out directly to Tracy at T. Parsons or me at Alyn Bailey. Everyone go out and have a fabulous week this week. And remember that candidates are people too.
You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.